3: Welcome in to Daily Face-Off Live, your go-to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern.
0: Welcome in. It's January 10th, and this is Daily Face-Off Live, streaming on the Daily Face-Off YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook pages. He is Mike McKenna. I'm Tyler Uramchuk. And Mike, we are coming off a night with three shutouts in the NHL. That's got to make you feel good. The goalies are
2: hot, man. Of course I does, dude. Like, especially with, like, UC Saros gets a shutout after that miraculous performance where he stopped 60-whatever shots in, like, an NHL record. Yeah. So that guy's hot. He's got the Preds in contention and a couple others around the league. So, yeah, chalk went up for the goalie union, Tyler.
0: First career shutout for Samuel Urson in Philadelphia, as well. Uh, there was a lot going on last night. One of those shutouts was from the Seattle Kraken who blanked the Montreal Canadiens for nothing. And they're in contention for one of the hottest teams in the NHL. So let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and start with them. Five in a row. This team is now 13 4 2 on the road. A lot of people, like myself, might kind of looked at this long stretch of games they have coming up where Eight of their next nine were on the road. They basically darted home for one night and then were back on the road. And I thought, oh, this could be a point where maybe their season gets broken a little bit. And it's not getting broken. If anything, they're cementing themselves as a playoff team in the Pacific Division. So I look at this roster and it's exceeding expectations. Also, shout out to Ellie Tolvanen, who they picked up on waivers two-point night last night. What a pickup that was as well. Um, But I'm sitting here, Mike, and I'm going, should Ron Francis suddenly consider not just standing pat at the deadline, but being a buyer?
2: Well, it's a tough question because this team in Seattle to me is
0: probably a little bit ahead of the curve here. And
2: I keep trying to find reasons to doubt this club. And I for, for most of the season, I kept thinking, well, they can't play defensively. They've really been bad that way. And, and like Jones has been up and down. Well, they've really played better defensive hockey, especially since the new year, Tyler. They've only allowed eight goals in their last five games. Jones has played all of those. And a lot of it's a credit to the team Just frankly, not giving up shots and and chances against. They've only given up more than 30 shots in one of those five games. And the penalty kill has improved. If you want a sore spot for the Kraken, it's the PK. And it's been at 80% in these last five. So I want to see how they match up against Boston on Thursday. They got to play against the Sabres tonight first. That's a big run for them, or a big test for them. But Tyler, if you start getting closer to the deadline, I think if you're Seattle, you want to add players, not as rentals, but maybe add for the future. This is a pretty deep team. I'm not sure you want to go all in on it, but I think if you're Ron Francis and you can add a piece that will bring you some value in the years to come, I'd be all for it in Seattle.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I don't know if they should go, like you said, all in on rentals or anything. I wouldn't be moving their first round pick or any high end prospects, but they do have three second rounders. And the other thing they have (laughs) leading up to the deadline is cap space. And I do wonder if there'll be some players on the market with term left on their deals that a lot of contenders will sit there and go, we like them. We just can't afford them. And the Kraken will sit there and go, "Hey, we got over five million bucks in projected deadline cap space, according to Cap Friendly, and we got some second rounders we can use as currency while still being able to stock the cupboards in the draft coming up this summer." So I i, I agree with you there. Maybe remember when Washington made that flip, varana out, they brought in Mantha, and both teams kind of got pieces yep. that they thought would help them for years to come. That's the kind of deal I'm looking at for Seattle, Mike. Is some scoring help that
2: can help no, for years. Yeah. I think that would make a lot of sense. You know, you kind of address your needs as is. I mean, I think they could help some need some help on defense. I actually like their forward lines and um, look at the players that are performing there. Vince Dunn and on down the list, players growing into their role. It's been a success story so far in Seattle.
0: Yeah, and the opposite of a success story is whatever is happening in Edmonton this season. So let's go from the top of the Pacific Division roller coaster to way down at the bottom. The Oilers lose last night 6-3 to the LA Kings. Stuart Skinner pulled for the second time in three starts. Jack Campbell comes in in a relief appearance and gives up a couple of goals as well. But Edmonton, for a good chunk of that game, looked largely lifeless. And while they had a couple of fights throughout this one as well and they seem to find some energy for a little bit in the third period this was more or less an atrocious outcome for the oilers their pk allows four goals their power play somehow goes 0 for six and now the oilers based on points percentage are on the outside looking in of the western conference playoff picture mike legit chance the oilers miss hey
2: well i think there is because it's so fluid really out in the West, I think. I mean, you look at the clubs that are vying for those wild card spots and I mean, you've got Nashville's back in the mix basically because of UC Soros, but you've also got Colorado on the outside looking in St. Louis in the same way, Edmonton, Calgary, Minnesota, Seattle, Los Angeles, like you can go on down the list. I think it's going to be a dogfight out there. And so, yeah, I absolutely believe that Edmonton has a shot at missing the playoffs, um, but I can't help but wonder a couple things, Tyler. I think that Uh, You really hope Evander Kane is going to be able to be back in that lineup soon. You saw last year how the team took off once he arrived. I think that would help up front, but they need to add defense. They do have to have great goaltending every night, and it's been better from Campbell lately. Last night was not Skinner's best game at all. I didn't like how he played against Fiala, a little too passive. you got to have your hands alive on on a guy that loves to shoot upstairs like him. Um, But I think realistically, the Oilers got to get it together. You can't go 0 for 6 on the power play. They had eight shots. But, dude, they couldn't even get into the zone in the third period when it mattered. And if you see the Oilers fighting two and three times in a third period against a team that they need to be playing against, like the Kings, that's a bad sign. So it's still early January. This team needs some people back in the lineup. They probably need to add pieces. But I do think there is a chance that they miss out. And, man, that would be a bad scene in Edmonton.
0: Oh, whatever. And I think the interesting part about the Oilers as we get closer to the trade deadline is Ken Holland has no choice but to push all his chips into the middle. Because honestly, who knows if he'd even have a job if the Oilers missed the playoffs. Like we don't know what kind of changes they would make and missing the playoffs cannot be an option. So I'm fascinated if the Oilers are four points out of the mix. I I still think Ken Holland could be in a spot where he's moving a first rounder, where he's moving a prospect to try to fill out this team. They showed last year that they can play their best hockey down the stretch and get back in. Because if you remember, Mike, they didn't fire Dave Tippett last year until February 11th. They were on the outside looking in until February 11th. And they still managed to finish the year with home ice advantage in round one. So we'll see if the Oilers have a similar turnaround this year. But right now, hard to imagine that happening with what we've seen over the last couple of nights from them. Uh, It is basically the halfway point of the season, Mike. So I thought we could take a look at the West and then take a look at the East and kind of share what we want to see in the back half of the season. So I'll let you go first. In the Western Conference, what is something you would love to see come to fruition over the last 41 games?
2: Well, I kind of like chaos in terms of the entertainment value, and I'd love to see the Vancouver Canucks go on an absolute heater, Tyler. And I think part of this is just because... Bruce Boudreaux has been maligned in Vancouver for a lot of the season and the team's played better recently. I mean, they've kind of been middling along, but the the awful start to the year is really what still seems to stick in people's minds. And this isn't a absolutely atrocious team in Vancouver. They're 26th overall, but they're very mid, you know? And, And I wonder if Thatcher Demko comes back and catches fire or what if this club starts to suddenly play like they did under Bruce last year for the second half of the season. And what really happens if Vancouver sells off all their pieces, right? What if they get rid of Horvat, Besser, Myers, Garland, Shen, who knows? And they still end up winning. Like, what do you do with Boudreaux, who's on an expiring contract? He's fighting for his job, too. So uh, this is a team that, to me, they're going to go in for Connor Bedard if they can. They're far away from it right now because, like I say, they're 26th overall. It's slim chances of them being able to get the first overall draft pick. But if they sell those pieces and then they keep winning, what do you do? And, and I love that. Because to me, it's intriguing, and I just think it would spice up the West, Tyler. How about you?
0: Yeah, I I do like that one. Right now, they're eight points back of the Oilers for the second wildcard spot with three games in hand. So who knows? Maybe they go on a heater, and it just totally catches us all by surprise. Uh, For me, I'm kind of going the reverse of you. We're going to be doing a deadline show like we did last season, pulling off a little trade deadline marathon, and I want that to be as spicy as possible. So I want the Preds falling out of it, and I want the Blues falling out of it. I want both of those teams to lose like 10 of their next 11 and be, I want O'Reilly. I want Tarasenko. I want Ekholm. I want talk that the Preds could be trading UC Soros at the deadline, Mike. I want absolute chaos on deadline day. And for that in the West, I know it's kind of lame. I'm being a little selfish here, but I want the trade deadline to be as spicy as possible. And I want max amount of sellers in the Western Conference.
2: I love it, man, and that's you know it, for us it's entertaining. For the players, though, oh, oh, we hated it.
0: Like
1: you'd just
2: be sitting there waiting. Please don't trade me. And I mean, I know for some people you probably want to get traded. The ones that have requested it or feel like their their times run out. But I I always hated trade trade deadline day, man. Like one year I made it until two o'clock, two hours after the deadline, thinking I was scot free, ready to make burgers that night. All of a sudden I got dealt. <laughs> so those curveballs are great for everybody that's a fan and a media, but the players. Oh, you just want to get through that day, man.
0: Same question now, but for the Eastern Conference, Mike, I think there are some concerns that maybe there won't be a playoff race this year in the East. I'm sure everyone would love to see that. But what's on your second half wish list for the East?
2: I'd really love to see Kevin Adams, the GM of the Buffalo Sabres, add to what they're doing out there in Buffalo. I know this
0: team really has
2: caught a lot of people off guard. A lot of it has been... You know, on the back of Tage Thompson, but look at the rest of the pieces surrounding him. Should we really be that surprised? You know, Dylan Cousins has come into his own. Jack Quinn's played really well. Alex Tucks filled out the lineup nicely. Um, you know, you got pretty good goaltending recently from Uko Pekka You know, there's a lot of things to like in Buffalo. I didn't even mention Rasmus Dahlin, okay? So I'd really love to see Adams make a play on somebody that can help that team down the road next four or five years. Similar like what we just talked about previously uh, about the Kraken, you know? And the Buffalo Sabres have tons and tons of cap space. So they could take on bad contracts to gain a good player. They've got draft picks. They have three second rounders this year. They have all their firsts in the next coming years, seconds, thirds, you name it, they pretty much have it. Who's to say they won't make a play on a big player that could really help that club, right? Like even a Jacob Chikrin. Okay, I'm just throwing that out there, but that's like the type of caliber or the type of contract length I'm thinking of that could really help that club in the long run. And I think it would be a good vote for the fans in Buffalo who have been waiting so long for this moment to have a team to root for again, to have players that they like that are somewhat homegrown, even though the Tucks and Thompsons of the world have come from somewhere else, they've still, you know, blossomed underneath Don Granado. So... I'd love to see the Sabres add. I don't want them to be too aggressive, but I think I'd like to see them set themselves up for years to come. How about you?
0: Yeah, actually, I love that point as well from the Sabres. And yesterday we talked with Frank about this could be the year of the third-party broker. If you're Kevin Adams, wouldn't it be some smart GM work to go around the league and say, hey, we're open to being a third-party broker if the contract's done after this year. Maybe you can scoop up a couple of third-rounders, a fourth-rounder, maybe even a second-rounder if you take a big chunk of some money from somewhere. And then you're sitting there going, hey, we got all these assets. We'll spend them and upgrade our team this year. Get some long-term pieces and be better in the long run just for eating some late-season cap space. I'd love to see that happen for me. And this is actually something our guy Jeremiah asked over on the Daily Faceoff YouTube chat as well. He asked if Uri Slavkovsky should play in the AHL for his development. And honestly, that's what I want to see. I love the potential with this guy. He's six foot three, 240 pounds. That's what he's listed at on the Canadiens website. He has so much talent. He can be a franchise cornerstone for them for the next decade plus. But yet they're running him out here for 11, 12, 13 <laughs> minutes a game. This dude be playing 22 plus minutes a night in the American League, scoring a goal every other game. The Habs are just sitting towards the bottom. They're not making the playoffs. I don't understand why they want him in the NHL so bad, especially when they have the luxury of sending him to the American League, which teams usually don't have with their first overall picks. So it's a bit of a niche one, and it focuses directly on the Habs. But do the right thing for Slavkovsky, because I don't get why they're just running him out there as a third liner, Mike. Well, he's a big guy who's NHL-ready size-wise,
2: but we've seen some of the hits he's taken this year. I don't think it would hurt him to play Uh, a little bit lower I think junior might actually be a better spot than the American League given the chaos factor of that level Um, but I do agree a little confidence wouldn't be bad for him The problem is that his body is beyond his years and so I know Montreal likes him where he's at and uh, I guess he's going to continue to grow at that in that role and they need players in Montreal so let's see if we get the most out of him but I think you make a very valid
0: point there Earlier in the show, I said the Seattle Kraken might be the hottest team in the NHL, and I'm sure there were some Winnipeg Jets fans watching who said, "Uh, excuse me, our group is on a five-game heater of their own, and they are surprisingly right at the top of the Central Division, so let's get to to this week's edition of the All-32 with Andrew Patterson.
3: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today.
0: Welcome to another edition of the All 32. Andrew Hustler Patterson from Sports Talk, Winnipeg and Lock Shop Bets. Always a pleasure catching up with you from beautiful Winnipeg, Manitoba the home of the hottest team in the NHL. The Winnipeg Jets have won five in a row. They are leading the Central in points percentage. And, I mean, a year ago, Huss, it was all the drama, right? It felt like Wheeler and Shifley might not be long for the Jets and nothing good was going on. And now, flash forward a year, to be sitting where they are, what's kind of allowed this to happen? The
3: Winnipeg Sports Talk 2022 Man of the Year, Tyler, Rick Bonus Bones. <laughs> I cannot even begin to start about the job that Rick Bonus has done in creating. We use the term, oh, this team's done a complete 180. The Winnipeg Jets have done a complete 180. Um, you mentioned there was a lot of drama. There was, there was major questions about very important players last year, about how much they wanted to be here, if they are committed to the team and the organization. And those questions were still very much alive heading into training camp. And... You know, I think back day one, well, before training camp even started, Rick Bonus, his first act said this team isn't going to have a captain this year. That was monumental because it had really been Blake Wheeler's team. Um, and it sort of created a new atmosphere around the club of bringing everybody in as being part of it, not really having your tears in the room. And... Um, the results speak for themselves. This has been an incredible first half of the season for the Winnipeg Jets. Everything they needed to do, starting with being better defensively and getting those goals against down has happened. Connor buck has been his usual brilliant self. And uh, this team's battling for first place when I think most teams would have just taken battling for a playoff spot, to
2: be perfectly frank. Yeah. And thinking about some of the players in this club that seem rejuvenated, you know, even Connor Hellebuck had a down season for me last year. And I think he's a Vezina front runner right now. He's leading the charge. You've got Josh Morrissey, who, man, he was a half a point a game defenseman. Now he's got 46 points in 40 games. Kyle Connor has slow start, but he's going now. But one of the key ones is Pierre-Luc Dubois, who I think is playing his best hockey. So like, how has Rick Bonus been able to coax these performances out of the players including Shifley Wheeler get them back on track what have you noticed uh, about that Jets team that's been able to get those types of players to roll again well you
3: know the first of it and Mike I mean you'd know this more than any of us being in a room for so long but I mean the collective psyche of the team almost was broken I mean frankly they didn't look like much of a team last year they weren't having any fun it didn't seem like they enjoyed coming to the rink every day and And we heard some of the most damning comments i've ever heard publicly from players towards the end of last season about what had happened and i think it was a complete clean slate um certainly first and foremost from a coaching perspective rick bonus has instilled a system where there are particular responsibilities that players need to buy into and they all have done that and i think the fact that the results followed or have followed the way that they have have sort of, uh, you know, almost invigorated that message and and pounded it home even more. Um, and, and you went down that list of some of those players. I mean, I think Josh Morrissey's talked a lot about it. He has had, I mean, listen, he should be probably a finalist for the Norris Trophy the way he's playing this year. And I mean, it's not just offensively. I mean, in his own end as well, logging big minutes for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, he tells a story about how just after Rick Bonus got the job, he called Josh and talked about how. Listen. When I was with the Dallas Stars, we focused on you. You're the guy. I think you can be a top ten defenseman in the National Hockey League, and I want you to get there this year. And um, I'm not sure whether it's his style of communication, um, but he has he has got the buy in from everyone. And, and I think the other thing was is I think most of these guys knew that as bad as last season was, they were capable of so much more. And uh, but it needed everyone working together to get to that point. And Everyone has benefited for it. I mean, it's hilarious. There were hats on the ice on Sunday afternoon against the Canucks when Kyle Connor had three to get to 20. He had two goals in his first 14 games. I mean, he's on fire. And Dubois, Dubois is fascinating because he was a real lightning rod in the offseason. His agent was talking about how he wouldn't mind being a Montreal Canadian. And that went over not well in Winnipeg and you can imagine how the fans took that. I think we were we were doing we were doing our uh, top Winnipeg sports talk shows of the year by viewership. That was number 1. A Monday in the middle of the summer after Dubois' agent talked about it. But to his credit, he came in and, and to be honest, listen, if I was on the Jets last year and had the opportunity to sign an 8-year contract, I think I would have waited too after the season that they had. Um his connection with Kyle Connor is, I mean, those two players just together have allowed Mark Scheifele to play with Cole Perfetti and Blake Wheeler and play well. Wheeler, I can't say enough about what Wheeler's done because, um, listen, it's not easy to be the guy for so long and then to have yourself taken into a bit of a role. And to be honest, listen, I don't think this is the intention of Rick Bonus, but... You know, publicly it was almost like this was kind of being hung on Blake, um, you know, for what had happened. And he was the captain, obviously, he was a big part of it. Um, but the way he has gone about his business this year, I think has been a great example for everyone, and maybe the best show of leadership that he could have possibly had. Um, and they're getting great performances night in and night out. And I'll tell you what, after going through a season that they had last year with the losing and the unfulfilled expectations. It is the exact opposite right now, and it seems like they're gaining more and more momentum and more belief in the group with every game that they win.
0: Just quickly, we got like another 30 seconds here. The trade deadline coming up in under two months. How hard of a buyer do you think Kevin Chevel will be, and what could he maybe be looking for?
3: Well, we've seen Chevy be aggressive at times before, guys, when um, the Jets have been in the mix, and I think they certainly are right now. He's always said that the players will dictate how aggressive we will be. And the bottom line is this Winnipeg Jets club, I think, has earned the opportunity for their general manager to be aggressive. And you can't look at that situation without realizing expiring contracts after next year for Shifley, Hellebuck, Wheeler, Dubois situation this year. So uh, there is a window right now with this group, and the window is now. And uh, I think based on everything that we've seen so far this year, Kevin Sheveldaaf will absolutely be a player
0: when we get to the NHL trade deadline. You're a beauty Huss. Thanks for doing this, man. Boys, thanks for having me. This edition of the All 32 is brought to you by Montana's. They're bringing you season with daily deals. You can check out more by visiting them at their website, montanas.ca. Good. Big shout out to Hustler for joining us today on the show. Uh, Let's get into our Ask DFO Inbox question, Mike. This one fascinating, talking about selling off at the deadline. Listener wants to know, what are the most amount of trades in terms of players leaving the roster that you could see the Chicago Blackhawks make ahead of the deadline? What do you got? Well, first
2: off, those drinks from Montana's looked amazing.
0: Uh, But
2: Mm. second, I got to refocus here. You know, honestly, the Blackhawks could probably move half the roster if they really wanted to and were desperate. But I think, realistically speaking, I'm going to say five roster players. I I think six is attainable, but I think either one of Tane or Kays will move. Tays will move. I don't think both of them will, but Athena, CU, Max Domi, Sam Lafferty, Jake McCabe, you know, these players to me have value. I even think Jason Dickinson could be a fit somewhere. So Hmm. I'm going to say five, Tyler. Do you think I'm off base?
0: If we're talking about Max, then I got Kane and Taves going, McCabe going, Athanasius, U, Domi, Lafferty. And I'd like your idea of Dickinson. You could add him as well. But what about Jack Johnson? That's a guy who played for the Colorado Avalanche and helped them win a Stanley Cup. He's basically league minimum. He's under a million bucks for his cap hit right now. If they were to keep half of that, Mike, I mean... All of a sudden, anyone can afford Jack Johnson, and teams are always looking for a little insurance on the blue line. So I don't think it'll get as high as eight, but the fact that we're sitting here and saying there are eight players with a realistic chance to be traded, boy, that is something.
2: Yeah, I think we need to get a light on this with points bet. What do you think?
0: Hey, that is actually not a terrible idea, and whatever I bet on, people should just take the opposite. Uh, Let's get into our points bet daily (laughs) bets. Uh, One for two last night, hit the Zach Hyman shot prop at plus 115, so damage control a little bit yesterday. Two plays tonight for me, so let's get into it, courtesy of Points Bet Canada. Uh, Looking at that top matchup, we just had Hustler on to talk about the Jets. This line is way too short. Even if Connor Hellebuck's not the confirmed starter yet, I have no problem laying some coin on the Jets' money line at minus 131 and throwing a little bit on the puck line at plus 185. Huss had an interesting note earlier today saying if the Jets win this game, it's actually going to be Rick Bonus's ticket to the All Star game as well. That team is going to be highly motivated. They've been a decent road bet so far this season 10 and 8 on the road. The Uh, Red Wings at home have only won nine of their 20 games. Red Wings, ice cold, losers of three in a row. The Jets, red hot, winners of five in a row. All this points towards me going all in on Winnipeg this evening. And I'm also taking the Nikita Kucherov shot prop. The Lightning are just massive favorites tonight, like minus 450. There's no value on betting on them to beat the Blue Jackets, but I do think they're going to be able to dominate the possession game, and that'll lead to a ton of shots on net. So I love taking Nikita Kucherov to go over three and a half. He's crushed this in three of his last five games, and I think tonight is a great spot for him to do it as well. So we got the Jets beating the Wings, and Kucherov getting us four or more shots on goal. And that brings us to garbage time. Mr. McKenna, what do you got for me? Well, this weekend we had one of the greatest traditions in hockey
2: with our square team in St. Louis, Missouri. We had the parents kids game and i tell you what, we combined with another Squirt team and this was our club. You can see the parents on the ice with the kids and the smiles. And it was it was a pretty hard fought game. You know, we ended up uh, switching goaltenders. So I ended up playing for the kids uh, and our goalie flipped over to the other end and played for the adults. We, we switched midway through. So it was pretty evenly matched, Tyler, but like, this is so much fun it's one of my favorite memories growing up as a kid was getting on the ice with my dad at the time. you know when my dad would skate and uh, and all the other parents and the best part is the ones that have never really played the game before you know they get out there my my wife had never played hockey she gets on skates goes out there does her best collided with our daughter and they both went down in a big heap and laughed about it so um it was just it was a ton of fun a lot of teams at the youth level do this and i'd fully encourage it just a couple rules of th- rules to keep in mind wear a helmet probably try to wear a face mask and just don't take it too seriously you don't want to be out there being a hero with the kids it's supposed to be fun we had that uh next weekend we get to take off to a tournament the Wisconsin Dells I think we're primed and ready for a big win Tyler if not we're going to have fun
0: I love it, Mike. I love it. Uh, you know, you talk about the the benefits of playing sports as a kid. It's memories like that. I think that stand out above all. So I love that you and uh, you and your kid got a chance to do that as well. It looked like everyone had a great time. Uh, that is going to be a wrap on today's edition of Daily Face Off Live. We will be back tomorrow on Wednesday, January 11th. It's going to be myself and Mr. Stephen Ellis riding shotguns. We'll look forward to chatting with everyone then. Until then. Keep it locked on daily face off. Subscribe to our YouTube channel as well and enjoy a full Tuesday night of hockey games.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh
0: Because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear. And you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.